0: Chapter Seventeen of Pollyanna of the Orange Blossoms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Claire. Pollyanna of the Orange Blossoms by Harriet Lummis Smith. Chapter Seventeen. Sauce for the Goose. For some weeks after Gladys's death, Pollyanna struggled against an unaccustomed sense of depression the possibilities latent in the undisciplined girl had been apparent to her almost from the first there was in gladys the raw material of a splendid womanhood and pollyanna had believed that the girl would realize that finer self in spite of innumerable obstacles in her way and in spite of the fact that she had no help whatever from the one who should have been her chief reliance now as she went about her work pollyanna found herself constantly grieving over the tragic waste of that young life again and again through the day the tears started to her eyes as she recalled one or another of gladys's characteristic speeches and while she did her best to hide her depression from jimmy her very efforts made her a shade less responsive than usual and decidedly less observant it was the afternoon of a very rainy and disagreeable sunday that pollyanna roused from the dreamy mood that had lasted several weeks and became almost in a minute her usual alert self as it had rained furiously all the morning and pollyanna had a cold they had not gone to church but had spent a very quiet day enjoying that sense of well-being which warmth and shelter are sure to give when the elements are turbulent along in the afternoon pollyanna having finished a long letter to sadie laid down her pen and looked across the room to jimmy stretched upon the couch and quite absorbed in one of his birthday volumes of dickens he had hardly moved an inch in an hour and a half yet pollyanna viewing him gave a little start as if it were the first time she had seen him that day mr jimmy pendleton she exclaimed reproachfully you didn't shave this morning jimmy felt of his chin with thumb and finger and for a moment made no reply then he said abstractedly i'll do it tomorrow." pollyanna was still looking at him hard did you shave yesterday jimmy no i didn't meant to attend to it first thing this morning but what's the use nobody's going to see me if jimmy had not been concentrating his attention on the page of great expectations he would have seen pollyanna's eyebrows lift themselves to a supercilious altitude but so intently was he following the fortunes of Pip that he failed to discover Pollyanna's resentment of the implication that she did not count. He turned a page and settled down to entire absorption in the story, while Pollyanna sat gazing at him with the interest of a scientist who has discovered an entirely unexpected trait in a familiar species of beetle. Pollyanna believed implicitly that Jimmy was an extremely handsome young man, and, while the testimony of her eyes did not in the least alter that conviction she realized uncomfortably that a total stranger meeting him at this moment might fail to grasp that very important fact a two days growth of beard detracted sadly from that high-bred air which was her especial pride he had taken off his coat which would have been all very well if his shirt had not been wrinkled a pair of slippers at four thirty in the afternoon added the final touch of informality. The shortcomings of Jimmy's personal appearance, however, did not altogether account for Pollyanna's disquieted air. The thing that troubled her was the remark he had let fall so casually, "'Nobody's going to see me!' Yet, less than a year before, the knowledge that Pollyanna was to see him would have been sufficient incentive for taking the greatest pains with his appearance pollyanna's mood as she sat pondering was not morbid nor silly she was not inclined to exaggerate the seriousness of the situation every day as it passed made her only more certain of the quality of jimmy's love and she knew that in essentials her approval or disapproval weighed more with him than the opinions of all the rest of the world together but at the same time his perfectly innocent remark showed an attitude of which she could not quite approve Pollyanna was shrewd enough to perceive that almost all human relationships are the better for a little formality, and she was quite sure that, if husbands and wives should make the same effort for each other that they do for total strangers, innumerable domestic complications would adjust themselves. Pollyanna said no more about Jimmy's shaving. She was of the opinion that the woman who has to fall back on nagging to win her point is small credit to her sex but she gave the subject considerable thought, with the result that, before she went to sleep that night, her plan of campaign was ready. Pollyanna was one of the people who do not become dishevelled in the ordinary routine of work. Judith often commented on this peculiarity with unconcealed exasperation. "'After I set the dinner-table,' she would say, "'I need to fix my hair and powder my nose, and straighten myself generally, if I'm to look right.' and you can work all day and end up by scrubbing your kitchen floor and be as trim as when you started and while this was a trifle exaggerated as judah's speeches were likely to be yet when pollyanna regarded herself in the mirror about half past four on monday afternoon in spite of the fact that she had spent an extremely busy day she was entirely presentable as she proceeded to dress for dinner pollyanna went about it in a most unexpected way she took down her hair gave it a shake, and then, without the aid of comb or brush, twisted it into a hard, uncompromising coil at the back of her head. She took off the trim little frock she was wearing, and after some search found a dress sufficiently shabby to attract the attention of unobservant man, not an easy achievement for a bride of less than a year. But luckily Pollyanna had brought from home a blue serge, which had done her such good service for several years before her marriage that she had felt no feeling of resentment over the discovery that the elbows were through in fact she had been keeping it in the house till she should find time to patch it and clean off some spots which were reminders of an occasion when the frosting had boiled over before contributing it to the supplies of clothing which were constantly being forwarded to the relief of ragged europe pollyanna had reproached herself for being remiss about this work yet now she found the same remissness an occasion for self-congratulation exactly what i want she said as she surveyed herself in the mirror oh you disgusting dowdy creature and then she made a face at her reflection in the mirror the image retaliating in kind and thereby adding to its unprepossessing and unnatural appearance the ceremony concluded pollyanna only waited to exchange her pumps for bedroom slippers not the fancy pink mules which were reserved for special occasions but an extremely practical and well-worn pair and went blithely out to the kitchen to prepare dinner jimmy came in about three-quarters of an hour later and as usual pollyanna was at the door to greet him when he had kissed her he turned away to hang up his overcoat and then turning back he stood staring at her with distinct perplexity Pollyanna had added to the effect she wished to produce by tying a long-sleeved apron around her waist, using the sleeves in place of apron-strings. "'Sick?' questioned Jimmy doubtfully. "'Sick? Of course not. Why?' "'Oh, nothing. Thought you didn't look quite natural, that's all.' "'It's not worthwhile to bother putting on a long-sleeved apron with this dress,' Pollyanna explained. "'It's a wreck anyway.' "'Yes,' Jimmy said thoughtfully. "'I see.' He followed her into the kitchen, studying the effect from the rear, with signs of growing disapprobation. Then he said almost gruffly for Jimmy, "'Hope that isn't a new style of doing the hair.' Pollyanna looked into the oven and continued to look for some seconds after she had satisfied herself that nothing was burning, in order to be sure that her face was sufficiently unexpressive. Then she said carelessly, "'Oh, no, this isn't a style. I just didn't bother to fix it. Do you think it's warmer out?' or is the weatherman wrong again?" Dinner was a rather silent meal. Pollyanna chattered a good deal, to be sure. But Jimmy did not second her efforts in his usual spontaneous fashion. And, after the dishes were out of the way, and Pollyanna had seated herself in the living-room, without bothering to remove the unsightly apron, Jimmy said a little sharply, "'You're not going to wear that thing all the evening, are you?' "'What, this apron? Do you mean?' "'No, I'll take it off pretty soon.' take it off now for heaven's sake i'll hang it up for you oh all right thank you pollyanna removed the offending article and handed it to her husband without glancing in his direction and jimmy his expression vaguely disturbed carried the apron away though upon examination he changed his mind about hanging it up and stuck it in the clothes hamper pollyanna read her paper absorbedly but jimmy could not seem to concentrate on anything He looked into two or three books and magazines, and decided against them, tried several chairs without finding any that suited him, and interrupted Pollyanna by irrelevant remarks. "'Saw Bob Bacon today when I was getting my lunch,' he observed presently. "'His wife has gone home for a visit, and he's lonely as a stray cat. You ought to ask him out to dinner some night this week. He said he was coming out soon. In fact, I shouldn't be surprised to see him this evening.' "'This evening?' Pollyanna sprang up with a look of horror that made her husband start. "'Why, what's the matter?' he asked. "'You don't suppose I want Bob to see me like this, do you?' Jimmy did not reply, and Pollyanna made a hasty exit. There was a period of splashing in the bathroom, and then, in the bedroom, a significant bustle. Now a bureau drawer opened and shut again. A closet door creaked ajar and was slammed to. Jimmy grew restless after a time and strolled in to watch proceedings. A pretty blue dress of Pollyanna's lay upon the bed and a pair of little satin slippers with rhinestone buckles stood waiting to replace the bedroom slippers Pollyanna had been wearing ever since four o'clock. Pollyanna was arranging her hair in a rather elaborate and decidedly becoming style. She was too much absorbed in getting the right effect to pay any especial attention to Jimmy's entrance. "'You know,' Jimmy warned her, "'I'm not sure that Bob's coming.' "'Yes,' It's a pity you didn't have him fix on an evening. If I'd realized what a difference it would make, I'd have pinned him down. It would be terrible, said Jimmy, with withering sarcasm, if all this energy should be wasted. Yes, wouldn't it? Perhaps it will help a little in case Bob doesn't show up, remarked Jimmy, with naive bitterness, if I remind you that this blue dress is a particular favorite of mine. Pollyanna turned her candid eyes upon him. But you wouldn't expect me to put on that blue dress unless there was somebody here. You mean I'm nobody, I suppose? Jimmy's laugh was like a bark. Pollyanna could contain herself no longer. She gave way to helpless laughter. And, when Jimmy looked at her reproachfully, she only laughed the harder. When at last she could control her voice sufficiently for speech, she gasped out. You began it. Began what? asked Jimmy testily. Calling me a nobody. Calling you? "'Say, what are you talking about? Don't you remember when I wanted you to shave yesterday you said that nobody was going to see you?' "'Well, by Jove!' Jimmy exclaimed. "'I believe I did make some such fool speech.' He looked at her hard and suddenly grinned from ear to ear. "'You little wretch! I believe on my soul you've been doing this to intimate that what is sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander.' Pollyanna's face was a confession yet under its mischief was something far removed from fun and then in a twinkling her smile had disappeared and she looked as if she wanted to cry i hate to feel that i don't count she said a bit unsteadily you not count why as far as i'm concerned pollyanna you make a majority all by your lonesome i know i do in the big things dear but we women are so greedy we want to feel we come first in the little things too men are like that too pollyanna I own i felt sore when i thought you were dressing up for bob and didn't care hang how you looked with nobody around but me he added with a rather wry smile it was a good object lesson all right honey and i'm ashamed that i needed it as it happened young bacon did not appear but pollyanna wore her blue dress and her satin slippers till bedtime feeling quite repaid by the admiration that looked out of jimmy's eyes And only Jimmy himself could have told what proportion of the admiration was due to the blue frock and what was called out by something very different. End of chapter seventeen. Recording by Claire.